A little baby block, get that garbage out of here. What it do, baby? Yeah, yo, what do you know? There's a new NBA champion, and it's a team from Toronto, Canada. OG with a look, got it! OG and Anobi at the buzzer! Oh, because my shot, I expected to make it, so like, I don't shoot shot like this. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the What It Do Toronto Raptors podcast. The Raptors are back, and my name is Drew Horton. Let's jump into it. The Raptors start the year 3-2 with three clutch, tough wins over the Cavs, Heat, and Sixers, while they also lost two in tight, contested fashion to the Nets and Heat, but they've looked good through five games so far. Their first kind of 10-11 games of the year, apart from playing the Spurs, should be a big test for them. Although the Spurs are playing pretty well to start the year too, so they don't exactly have an easy schedule to start out the year. But with the way they're playing, they're looking good. And if they could stay at least 500 through this first stretch, then it'll be a good sign going forward when they get to beat up on some of the weaker teams. So we'll do a quick summary of the Raptors game against Philly where they won 119 to 109 then I'll go into a few takeaways I've had from watching the Raptors so far and then a few looks around the league and some of the top stories and some of the bottom stories so on the 26th the Raptors beat the 76ers 119 to 109 and there are three key factors in the win one was Philly's lackluster defense. It looked like guys didn't know their assignments at times, led to a lot of wide open looks. And then some of the effort from Embiid and Harden was really lacking, especially in transition defense when more times than not, they've got their hands up complaining about a shot or just lazily jogging back on defense, uh, which is just not okay when your team is supposed to be a real contender and you're starting the year one and four and then you're coming into a must-win game in Toronto and you just throw out an effort like that, it's inexcusable. That being said, I mean, they did have some impact on the offensive end. Harden had uh, 18 points, 7 rebounds, 9 assists, and Bede put up 31 points. Uh, Maxi also put up 31. He was probably their best player this game on both ends of the floor. Uh, although even he at times got lost on defense. I don't really know what's going on with Doc's schemes or anything on the Philly 76ers defensive end. Um, but he needs to do a better job. Just as an example, the Raptors hit, I think, five of their first seven threes. Uh, Pascal hit his first four. And Philadelphia still decided that a zone defense was a good idea. Because the Raptors generally do struggle with shooting, I would agree. But you're just giving a team who's hot from three more momentum going into the end of the first quarter and the second quarter. And although the Raptors did cool off, they did shoot 42% from three on the game. And if the Raptors are shooting that well from three, it, it generally means that they'll win. Because that's usually their only shortcoming. Now the second key for the win for the Raptors, uh, their defense played on 90% of the Sixers. Uh, because, like I said before, Maxi went for 31, and Embiid went for 31, and they both went for very efficient 30-point games, which is not ideal. But you limit Harden to 18, and then you limit the rest of the team to under 30 points. Uh, Tobias Harris only took five shots, three points on the day. B.J. Tucker only had eight points. Melton had a good game off the bench uh, for 12, uh, but then the rest of the bench only scored six. 
and you're just not gonna win games against the Raptors when you don't have multiple people beating you at the point of attack and the Raptors swarming defense makes it tough for most guys to score. Maxi's got the speed to get by and Embiid's got the size. Uh, Harden has the skill as well. He put up 18, but the rest of the guys just had no luck against the Raptors size, uh, rotations, and athleticism. And the last key was the Raptors hitting timely shots. This is something that a lot of teams struggle with, but teams especially that don't have a superstar top five player in the league struggle with as well. Players that know how to time their contributions in order to stop runs and get momentum back on their side. Uh, the Raptors had that tonight in the form of Gary Trent Jr., Fred Van Vliet, and Pascal Siakam. I mean, Siakam was huge. He had 20 points and 13 assists. Massive. Gary Trent went for 27 off of 11 and for 16 from the floor. And Fred Van Vliet, although he had 15 points off 5 of 12, he did have 8 assists, 6 rebounds, 2 steals, 3 blocks, although I consider those more steals because he's obviously not getting up to contest at the rim, but regardless. And the three of those guys, whenever Philly would come in to try to cut the lead to six or five, those guys would just come up back down the floor, hit a big shot, and the lead would grow to eight, nine, ten again. And this happened at least five or six times. Philly would go on a little 6-0 run, and then Fred Van Vliet would come and hit a mid-range shot. Gary Trent Jr. would come down and hit an open three. Pascal would find somebody on a cut for a layup or a dunk or an open shot when they swung the ball around. It was just this constant uh, bend but not break of the Raptors. And it made the game feel, I don't want to say easy because Philadelphia is obviously a great team, but you never felt like they were in danger in the fourth quarter because throughout the entire game, they had just been sticking with the punches and able to hold up against that strong Philly offense. The Raptors got out to an eight-point lead at the end of the first quarter and then never really looked back. Point differential in the first quarter, plus eight for the Raptors, and then the rest of the game was plus two for the Raptors, so it was really an even game the rest of the way, but they had held on to their lead and, like I said, kept hitting shots, they kept playing enough defense, and it was a nice grind em out win. The Raptors play the Sixers again on the 28th in part of the NBA's new uh, two-game series type scheduling and so it'll be interesting to see what uh, the coaches throw out uh, see if Doc makes any adjustments I know Nick Nurse will probably make some uh, but it'll be interesting to see because Embiid and Maxi can't get much better on the offensive end so it'll be up to the other guys to hit shots and be able to create something um, and for the Sixers defense, it'll be up to them to put a little more effort, be a little bit cleaner on the rotations and in transition, uh, especially from Embiid and Harden. Uh, and it feels like the Raptors are in a good spot to take that game as well. Uh, it doesn't seem like the Sixers have the kind of urgency they need to, considering they're now 1-4 and four to start the year. So now into some early takeaways from the Raptors' first five games. Uh, first of all, Siakam is that guy. Oh my gosh, he's been good to start the year. First five games, he's averaging 25 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists on 47% shooting, 36% from 3. He is just on fire. And this is, I mean, this is first team All-NBA numbers. And if he plays like this, then the Raptors really have found their number one guy. Now, 
Is it just a hot streak? How much of this will continue? Uh, if he puts these numbers up for the rest of the year, he'll be in MVP conversations. I mean, triple-double-esque numbers. And the way he's playing this year is just amazing. Wow. I just... I never expected him to take this leap. I thought he'd come back with kind of a fire, um, but he's really improved as a playmaker so much. He's commanding double teams every time he touches the ball, it seems like, and he's hitting open guys at a rate which he hasn't in his entire career. He's shown flashes of it over the last few years, but his passing, his decision-making, and even his shot-making, they've all improved to an elite superstar level and it's going to be exciting to watch everybody else take advantage of the gravity that he commands. Fred Van Vliet is also having a good year so far. Uh, he's putting up uh, just under 16 points a game, uh, taking less shots this year than usual. I think he was averaging about 16 shots a game last year, only 11 so far this year, but he's trying to get people more involved in the offense and try to get more people better looks, and he's really doing that. I mean, like I said, 16 points, but also eight assists and just under three steals a game. I mean, he's just been amazing on both sides of the floor. And you can see it, he's playing off ball more, which I really, really like. They're letting the offense run through Pascal and using Freddie's biggest strength as a catch and shoot guy to perfection. I mean, his three point percentage through the first five games is 48%. I mean, I know that's not sustainable, but we do know how good Fred Van Vliet can be on catch and shoot. We saw it during the finals run. He was unstoppable from beyond the arc. So next, Scotty Barnes. He looks a bit passive, and I know he's recovering from a preseason injury, and now he's recovering from a tweak injury to start the year. Um, but even when he looks passive, you still look at the box score and go, wait, he had 16, 10, and 5? you're going, wow, I didn't think he had that much impact on the game. And even, even still, he still is impacting winning. I mean, on the year so far, 15 points a game, just under six rebounds, four assists, one steal, one block. I mean, 52% from the floor, he's looking good and he's not noticeably taking over or anything like that. He's just solid all the way through. It'll be really interesting to see when he gets a little more opportunity to to shine. Don't know when that will when that will be because the Raptors they look like they're rolling right now considering the level of competition they're facing. Um, but man, I'm excited to see what Scotty Barnes can do. Uh, he looks definitely a little slow to start the year to be expected from the injuries, but he does also look calmer, more improved, and. I just love him with the starting lineup, and he's going to be a key piece for the Raptors going forward. And now on to Gary Trent Jr. Uh, hot and cold to start the year, but hot more often than not, I have to say. Uh, he's putting up 20 points a game, not much else, uh, but he's putting it up on good efficiency from three-point range. Uh, I mean, he's shooting 40% from three, and he doesn't always get the easiest looks, which is also huge. Uh, got some really open looks in the Philly game, um, but usually he's taking a lot of step-back threes and off-the-dribble mid-rangers and things like that, but when he's on, he is a walking bucket, and the Raptors have missed 
missed that since DeRozan was here, since Kawhi was here. Uh, Pascal can do some of that as well, but Gary Trent Jr. looks like a pure scorer. Reminds me a lot of Norman Powell, actually, in the way that he can just put up stat lines like 27 points and nothing else in a game, but still have a great impact on winning. I don't want to go on too, too long here, but I will just quickly say OG's looking good, knocking down shots, playing lockdown defense. Uh, still has some issues with shot creation, but he's been good to start the year. Uh, the rookie, Christian Coloco, is looking like he belongs in the NBA. Um, him getting ejected in that game against Miami was ridiculous. Was defending himself, and even when he was on the ground, he had his hands up and not doing anything. That's an aside. Uh, but he looks good. Uh, defensive end picking up a few too many fouls, but that's expected uh, of a rookie, especially when you're playing against guys like Embiid and Jimmy Butler to start the year, to start your career even. Wow. Uh, but he, he looks good. Uh, I think with uh, the proper guidance and reps, he could be a quality center going forward, and it looks like Masai did it again. So that's it for the Raptors section. Just going to quickly go around the league on uh, some of the interesting and noteworthy storylines to uh, start the year. First off, the Cavs. Donovan Mitchell looks amazing. He's putting up about 30 points a game so far for them, and he looks like the piece that they were missing. Uh, an elite shot creator, uh, but he's also dishing to his teammates, and he's got some really good rim-running bigs that will really help him out. And they, they look dangerous. They look better than I thought they would this year. Um, Interesting to see if Donovan Mitchell moves the needle in the playoffs, but hey, they look good so far. The Lakers are currently 0-4, and they just look brutal. I mean, not just bad, but really, really bad. Russ doesn't look like an NBA caliber player uh, a lot of the time when he's on the court. Teams are defending him less than half of the time he attempts a jump shot. It's the lowest in the stat cast, stat track era. Um, Anthony Davis has regressed. Uh, he still looks good, but he doesn't look like the superstar that he once was. Um, and the Lakers have, I think, four of the 11 or 12 people that are shooting under 25% from the three-point line this year. And that's Russ, Beverly, and I think AD is on that list. Maybe it's none. But man, their three-point shooting has been brutal. At one point, they were shooting under 20% on the year. They hit 25% in the game and their percentage went up. It was brutal to watch. LeBron plus shooters has been a formula since he came into the league because he can drive into the paint like nobody's business and he's one of the best passing forwards ever, if not the best. But the fact that he's got no shooting on the outside means that he can't do his thing. And even though he's balling out, he just can't play to his strengths and the team is suffering because of it. They had the number one ranked defense. I don't know if they still do, but they were averaging 90 to 95 opponent points per game through the first little while of the season. And they were still losing these games because they were dead last in offense. And man, it's just, I'd say it's sad, but it's the Lakers. They'll bounce back. They're in LA. It's just crazy how poorly that roster is constructed. And kind of ironic that it's a lot on LeBron's shoulders. He asked for Russ to be there and then the front office just decided not to do their jobs in signing any other shooters and they're paying for it now. They don't even own their pick this year. If it's, I believe it's a top five protected. So if the Lakers are bad enough where 
they want to rebuild and they want to tank. Now this is getting very desperate, I might add. But they wouldn't even own their lottery pick. They could get the number one overall pick, and it would go to the Pels. The Pels, they look good this year. Oh my god. Zion's back, Ingram's balling, McCollum's balling, Jonas Valanciunas is balling, Herb Jones looks amazing, Jose Alvarado, Josh Hart, man, those guys are just so good. And it'll be interesting to see where they land in the playoff race. I have them kind of in the top five in the West, top six. And, I mean, that's one of the best offenses, one through five, in the league. Because anybody on any given night could give you 30. Uh, and Jonas Valanciunas, the most unlikely candidate from that starting lineup, he dropped their first 30 bomb of the year the other night. So it's just incredible. And with the amount of spacing they have around Zion, he's free to kind of do what he wants. And, man, he is a monster. He is so much bigger and faster than anyone else in the league. And he's got such masterful touch around the rim. Nobody can contain him. It's a joy to watch him play, and I'm really happy he's finally back on the court. The Jazz started out the year 3-0, and everyone thought they might be the worst team in the league. And it's really interesting. I mean, Laurie Markkinen is playing really, really well. Darius Garland is playing well. They're getting contributions up and down the lineup. I don't think it's necessarily sustainable, just because I don't think they've got that top-end talent. But they're an exciting team to watch. They went younger, and they're a very offensive-minded team. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe they could challenge for a play-in spot. It'd be interesting to see if they can keep it up going down the year. Same with the Spurs. I think the Spurs started 3-1. I believe they're 3-2 now. But it was interesting to see because I thought I thought the Spurs would be by far the worst team in the league this year. I just don't... They just don't have anyone on their roster that screams, uh, get me a bucket. Uh, I thought their defense would probably be good. Uh, pop defenses are generally good. and I mean, you can never count out a co uh, Popovich-coached team. But... Their offense, I don't know how it's going to hold up through the course of the year. Uh, I mean, who knows? Who knows? They uh, they can prove me wrong. They've proved me wrong so far. I thought they'd be 0-4, 0-5 to start the year, but a winning record in five games is, quite frankly, I think it's overachieving for them. So we'll see how they hold up. Uh, the Golden State Warriors, they look back. They look dangerous. Uh, Celtics also look really good. All the typical kind of contenders over the last year or two look good, uh, apart from the Sixers. Um, the Clippers, they look really good. Man, uh, Kawhi, Paul George, adding John Wall onto your bench. I mean, that's huge. John Wall doesn't look... He doesn't look cooked. He doesn't look washed. He looks really good for uh, kind of a six-man point guard type, uh, type role. Uh, I think that was a really good pickup by them. Uh, they're one of the deepest teams in the league, and they got one of the best one-two punches in terms of star power. So I can't see them uh, bowing out early, apart from injuries. That's always the big thing with them. The, their two stars are injury-prone, so we'll have to see. But man, they look nasty to start the year. And lastly, shout-out to Ben Simmons for his season-high in points. Uh, played well on the offensive end, and he was playing some lockdown defense on Luka Doncic. Uh, 41 points and 7 points uh, on the side. Uh, 7 points for Ben Simmons and 41 for Doncic, uh, in case you were wondering. Uh, no, Ben Simmons doesn't look 
good. It doesn't look ready, but it's been off for a year and a half off the court. And I mean, it'll take some time to get back into it, but it's not encouraging the way he's playing because he still looks afraid around the rim. He's afraid to shoot. He's afraid to get fouled. Uh, and I don't know how aggressive he needs to be in order to succeed, but he definitely needs to be much more aggressive than he is right now. Now on a team with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, I don't really want Simmons taking 20 shots a game, but he's got to put up at least 10 a game, uh, even if most of them are just little floaters or hook shots, but he's got to have some offensive threat or else all he's doing is just making it harder for the rest of his guys. He's still playing well in transition and on defense for the most part. Uh, he gets the toughest assignments, so guys like Luka and Giannis will still cook, but I mean, there's only so much you can do on those guys most nights. But yeah, he needs to he needs to figure it out. I don't know how much of it is physical about him being off, don't know how much is mental, um, so I don't want to rag on the guy too much, but he's, he's really got to find his way. I'm rooting for him, not too much obviously, because he does play for the Nets, but Man, it'd be it'd be sad to have somebody with that much hype and that much talent just lose it. Yeah. Anyway, that'll do it for the first episode of this new season, episode 21 of the What to Do Toronto Raptors podcast. I've been your host, Drew Horton, signing off. Peace.